Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 137 of Selling the Couch. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me for today's podcast session. And I hope that uh, today's podcast has you doing fantastically well. It is a uh, fall here in Philly. Oh, it's, I guess, fall everywhere, but well, fall in certain parts of the country. But, uh, we are, I much prefer this cooler weather. And, you know, we've got some big plans, uh, starting with hopefully, uh, some heading to a local farm that they actually have a bunch of different crops. But one of the things they do is they actually make local apple cider donuts, which is like amazing and as amazing as it sounds. So they make, they have fresh apples there and then they have fresh cider donuts. So, uh, looking forward to all of that. Today's podcast is actually with someone who is doing some pretty amazing things on their private practice journey. And my guest is Michelle Richardson. Michelle is actually at, down in Audubon, New Jersey, which is uh, right across the, the bridge from here in Philly. And uh turns out uh, Michelle and I actually have a mutual friend, uh, which is like, it reminds you of how small the world truly is. And Michelle started her private practice, her group practice back in 2015. And I mean, as I record this, it's amazing to see where Michelle has gone on her private practice journey. We, is, uh, we were actually reflecting before this, recording this interview, and uh, she was telling me, you know, like, around when Selling the Couch first started is when she started on her own private practice journey of starting this group practice. And since then, she has hired six other clinicians here in, gosh, less than three years for sure, less than two and a half years. And uh, today we're just talking about Michelle's private practice journey. Little things like she, her practice is called Mindful Soul Center for Wellbeing. So we're diving a little deeper into naming a practice and what all of that entails and how she came up with the name and how she had to think about sort of nuances as she was thinking about a group practice. How she, back in 2015, when it was just her and then two other folks potentially being interested in being part of her practice, 
how she had this vision and how she kept moving forward, even if all the steps were not clear. We talk a lot about, um, she actually has a practice that serves women, and it's a group practice that serves women. So how does she sort of balance having a group practice and writing things like writing copy that caters to both a specific kind of niche that a clinician in the practice might serve, while also helping women who sort of struggle with different kind of concerns and all of those different things. And then we wrap up talking a lot about some of the ways that subtle ways that Michelle has been able to figure out where referral sources are coming from and things like that and how she's tracking those things so she knows where to, um, you know, how to proceed and how to think about marketing and all of those things. Before we get to today's podcast episode, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the folks over at Theranest for being supporters of this month's podcast episodes. I really am grateful for the company Theranest because they've just been such loyal supporters of this podcast. As you guys know, uh, launching a podcast definitely takes expenses. And then especially as it grows and the way that selling the couch has, um, it definitely takes expenses. And, you know, when companies sponsor, it all helps me offset some of the costs of running the podcast and as the, the community continues to build so that I can provide great content. Theranest is this company that is an electronic health record company. And so if you're thinking about taking your case notes and all of those things to an electronic medium, I encourage you to check them out. You can go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Theranest, and that gives you 21 days absolutely free and then a nice little discount of uh, 20% off your first three months. So we'll get right to today's podcast conversation. So here's my conversation with Michelle Richardson from MindfulSoulWellBeing.com. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin. So good to finally connect with you. We have a mutual friend and it's neat to see. I feel like things like this remind me of how small the world is, you know? Totally, totally. It's really awesome. You have been busy <laughs> building your practice. It's done quite well. And I'm just so grateful you're here to just to share your journey and some of the lessons you've learned. And I thought just the best place to start would be the name of your private practice. So you named your practice Mindful Soul Center for Wellbeing. How did you come up with this name? Yeah. So when I was first in solo practice, you know, I think like a lot of us, I just had my first name or my first and last name as my practice name. So it was pretty boring. It was just Michelle Richardson, LCSW. And then when I expanded to a group practice, that seemed a little weird to have a group under my name. And but the thought of committing to a name was like totally scary, right? Mm. So it felt like I was getting married. <laughs> like, wait, I have to commit to this? So I really, I struggled with it. And I was playing around with a lot of different variations. And I knew that mindfulness was going to be a piece. And so strangely enough, I had this client that she and I had been working together for quite some time. And she knew that I was expanding. And she asked me, you know, what are you going to name the new place? And so I told her, I was really struggling with it. And as the week went on, she kept messaging me all of these different variations. I had given her a couple of the names I was thinking of. And so she actually suggested Mindful Soul. And when she suggested it, it just kind of pulled together all of the elements I was looking for. Like I think just the idea of, of a mindful soul and, and even a soulful mind, right? Mm. Just kind of like 
tying those two together. And I think that for me, the fact that the name really was co-created with someone that I had a really great therapeutic relationship with. And I just felt like that, I don't know, it just it like brought good karma into the mix. Like mm. this is just really significant of the work that I do. And it, the fact that she helped name it just really felt good for me. I mean, it's such a beautiful story because I think one, it's like, you're right. Like the mindful soul. I don't know. There's just something about it. You're like, you know, like certain words you feel like, man, they're just meant to be together. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It makes, you know, it just, the name just struck that like heart space inside mm. of me. Like, oh yeah, like that's what that is. That feeling inside my heart, that space, that energy. And so it really resonated. Yeah. I mean, you're bringing up a couple of really good points. And I think one of them is that we do, like, I know that a lot of us labor over names. And at the end of the day, like it is, the name is not just about like putting something on a website, right? Like it's what that name represents and sort of the, I feel like almost the deeper vision of the practice, even though, even if some of those future steps may not be clear at the moment. Yeah, it's almost like a prophecy in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So you did something very different, which I think is actually kind of neat. I know I struggle with this, which is when I have an idea, I tend to keep it to myself and then I labor and try to come up uh -huh. with the creative stuff. And But you actually like put it out into the world, you know? Was that scary? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like You know, it's funny, like thinking back to it now, I normally am just like you where I keep everything to myself. Mm. But, you know, I think even when I named my children, I only told certain people and I kind of kept it really, <laughs> you know, I kept the lid on tight until we were absolutely 100% certain. So I'm not really sure what made me do that. But I'm really glad that I did because, you know, she just helped me, you know, talk about like learning from our clients and benefiting from our clients. And I mean, she really helps shine a light on what I was trying to come up with. Yeah, I mean, there's just, a, I guess, underlying it, there's such a, a humility to that process, which yeah. is just really neat to hear. Yeah, there is. You've grown quite a bit in your practice. You launched back in 2015, is that right? Yeah, okay. yep, June 2015. Mm -hmm. June 2015, you've added seven other clinicians since then. I hope I, I counted right on the website. I think there's, ac I sometimes I lose count, but yeah. I think there's actually seven, including myself. Yeah. Seven, <laughs> including yourself. What was the original vision for the practice when you first started back in 2015? So, to be totally honest, I don't think I had a clue where this was headed. Like, mm. and I tell people now, I'm like, mindful soul is my fourth baby. Like I have three kids and that's it. We're done. We're mm. done at three. And so when I opened up mindful soul, my youngest had just turned one. Mm. So I was still like in this haze of having a baby in the house and it just kind of like the series of events that just opened up between finding this office space that, you know, had more, more space to it and it was affordable. And I had these two clinicians that were ready to start with me. One was a really longtime friend and colleague that was doing some private practice work really as a side gig to her full-time job. And then the other was this super motivated and eager supervisee that I had been doing clinical supervision with for about a year. And 
So initially, I was just starting really small with these two people and the amount of referrals we were getting. And so it happened really quickly. Like four months later, I added the third clinician. And then four months after that, I added the fourth and fifth clinician. And then I just added my sixth this past spring. So, yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. And the practice is a private pay practice. Mostly. I had accepted a number of insurances when I was in solo practice. And then when I transitioned to the group, I started unpaneling with several of them. And so we're sort of a balance. So I'm still hanging on to a few, which is okay, because I'm not always taking on new clients. But the rest of the staff are only paneled with one health insurance, and then the rest is private pay. Yeah. I feel like in building a, especially like a primary private pay practice, there's a lot of factors that go into this, right? Like niche and geographic area. Oh, totally. Different things, right? Like, I guess, how did you make that decision to say, you know, I'm just going to have my clinicians panel with this one insurance provider and then do the rest? Because I think for me, I would be freaking out. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, you know, like our. It was a little scary. You know, I had worked for a group practice before going into solo practice. And so I think, and we accepted a lot of insurance at that practice. And I think that when I started Mindful Soul, I just saw that there were limitations that I had experienced as an employee or as a contractor for a group practice where, particularly in my own pay, you know, when the insurance rates, at least in our area, were not that great, you know, it got to a point where staying with the group didn't make much sense for me Mm. because they weren't able to pay me more. Mm. And so being private pay, I think just gives my staff a little bit more flexibility to increase rates and make it worth their while, you know, to be connected to the group, both financially as well as helping them grow as clinicians and feel connected to to something and to building something. I think that part, I think you just said it like it was such a subtle thing. I, I feel like there's so much wisdom in that because in general, like if people feel invested in something much bigger than themselves, right? Like, yeah, you know, like yeah. this isn't just about Michelle building a practice, right? Like this is something that we built together. And I just think, I don't know, for me, and I slowly am realizing this just like we are often limited in terms of our creativity and vision. And when we incorporate other people, we just never know where things can go and all of those different things as well. Yeah, definitely. Just shifting a little bit, you focus the practice primarily on serving women in in South New Jersey or South Jersey, as we say up here. (laughs) 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 How did you decide to focus on this population? So when I first became a mom, which was nine years ago, I was just fascinated with that whole journey into motherhood. And so as tends to happen with me, especially is, you know, my professional, my personal lives kind of parallel. And so with that sort of internal fascination with what was happening with myself, I also became equally fascinated with maternal mental health. And so one of my first private practice experiences was working for a woman named Karen Kleiman, who owns the Postpartum Stress Center. And, you know, so I was totally involved in the maternal mental health community. I was getting referrals from OBGYNs and primary care physicians and lactation consultants. And, you know, I was growing my family. So I was in like the mommy world. And so I was connecting a lot with other moms in my own community and online. And and as I kind of was growing as a clinician, I started to also get a lot of trauma referrals. And so my caseload was pretty much 
you know, solely, you know, either pregnant or postpartum women or women who were healing and recovering from trauma. And so when I expanded to mindful soul, it just made sense to me to keep my practice women focused. It's just where you know, it's just where my passion and drive was. And the two clinicians that were coming on initially with me had that same passion. And as you know, from a marketing standpoint, I really liked the fact that, you know, we technically were having this niche of of women's health. But then underneath this broader category, there was so much like flexibility for myself and my staff to explore different like sub areas of that. So you know, so even though my focus shifted more into trauma work now mm-hmm. and EMDR, I have several clinicians that are very much still into maternal mental health world. And I have, you know, another therapist who specializes in women recovering from divorce. And so it's nice to kind of be able to be sort of specific, but broad at the same time, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I like the way you just said that, because I think this, I think, is a common struggle with this whole idea of niching and, and can you build a practice with focusing on a niche? And I mean, you just said it like so well, which is, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like you started with the population, right? And mm-hmm. that was broad enough, but gave you the flexibility to go really narrow and really deep into nuances that population yeah. struggles with. Yeah. And I think what's nice is like the clients that, come to us, I mean, we really try to work with that client on having the right fit with their therapist. So depending on what the presenting issues are, you know, I can kind of say, oh, yeah, this therapist is definitely, she's the one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She is the one for you. Mm -hmm. And I like that we can do that. Yeah. No, it is so neat. Like, so you said earlier that you were like fascinated with this journey into motherhood initially, right? And I think like for me, that's a big reason why I started, you know, this starting this small practice working with entrepreneurs because I live this every day, right? For you, how do you, and I feel like maybe I don't always do this well, but how do you balance that sort of, when you have a passion for that topic, right? And how do you balance that with, okay, this is like my business and I need to separate that from kind of personal, I don't know if that kind of makes sense, but... It does, actually. I'm going to try to put together an answer that makes sense. <laughs> I definitely have a tendency to like go like just absorb everything and mm-hmm. jump into things, you know, so I, I did that with maternal mental health. And now that I'm really into trauma work, I'm jumping into, you know, and it's, sometimes I feel like it's hard to turn that part of ourselves off, you know, to give ourselves some space. And so I think for me, it's been like I've been moving more towards this place of just kind of accepting that's just me, that there's there's times where it's not always going to be this perfect balance. You know what I mean? I'm not always going to have my professional self and my personal self. And it's not always going to be 50-50 that a lot of times it's all happening at the same time. And that that's okay, you know, that I can be okay with that without being stressed out by it. And of course, there's the things we do to take care of ourselves and the things we do to have good boundaries so that when I'm at home with my family, I'm not constantly doing mindful soul stuff in my head and, Mm -hmm. you know, that. But but that there's going to be parts showing up all the time, wherever we are and and whatever we're supposed to be focusing on, you know? Yeah. No, you just said that so beautifully because like what I hear in that is, Maybe for many of us, it's just giving ourselves permission to realize that there is going to be this, especially if we're 
working with the population or presenting concerns that is personal to us, there's always going to be this parallel process. And maybe we yeah. don't always have to make it extra, like, you know, perfectly balanced all the time. Yeah, yeah I think that the, just the idea of permission is so key, mm. you know. So this is something <laughs> I struggle with now. Like, so, you know, sometimes I'll be like, I don't know, randomly taking a walk or something. And then I'll have a random idea for a blog post or something, right? Like related to entrepreneurship, right? So yeah. do you ever, <laughs> it sounds like, I think I know the answer, but how do you sort of hold that and say, you know what, I'm going to be, you know, focus on what I need to now? Yeah. Well, first of all, that happens to me constantly. <laughs> you know, especially the worst part is when you're trying to sleep at night and the entrepreneurial right. part of you is like on overdrive and mm -hmm. it's like, no, 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 I need to sleep right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sleep needs to happen. These are great ideas. You know, you almost have to talk to that part of yourself like these are great ideas, but this is what we need to do right now. We need to walk or we need to sleep or we need to, you know, be present in this other piece of our life. So, I mean, it's definitely a challenge, you know, I definitely find that that's a challenge, but yeah, I think just kind of like talking to those parts of ourselves and, you know, allowing them to show up and kind of like patting them on the head and saying, okay, like you're so super helpful and I love you, but just, you know, give me a little space for a moment so I can be here <laughs> now. Right. <laughs> can we think about this like eight hours later? Maybe? Right. <laughs> We'll schedule an appointment. <laughs> no, I like the way you frame that because part of it's just acknowledging that I think as small business owners, and I feel like we're all entrepreneurs, right? Like, so just giving ourselves permission to have that creative part of us without like suppressing it, you know, because otherwise, I don't know, I feel like if we suppress our dreams and those kind of ideas too much, you know, over time, they just kind of die down. So I wanted to shift a little bit to your website. And if you guys are listening, you can follow along at mindfulsoulwellbeing.com. And I wanted to just read the copy on your front page, because I just thought, man, you know, Michelle, like, gets this, like, you know, this isn't like, you know, hey, welcome to my website. We work with, you know, women, right? So I'll just start it and I'll read it. And then just want you to, I guess, share and, and reflect on, like, how you found these words. So it says, no one ever said that this is what life would be like. You want to feel in control, but you've lost your sense of balance. Maybe you're going through a transition, like ending a relationship, having a baby, or starting a new career. Even the most welcome of changes come with their fair share of challenges. Or maybe you find yourself in the same old patterns and ending up in the same place over and over. You think you should be able to handle things, but most of the time you feel overwhelmed and stressed, anxious or depressed. You just don't know how to shake these feelings, and they're starting to interfere with everything in your life. So I'll just uh, stop there and uh, like kind of share. Yeah, so that really, when I first opened Mindful Soul, I, you know, all of these ideas of like marketing and ideal client and finding a niche, and that was all pretty new to me. I mean, I, I was practicing with a niche in solo practice, but I don't even think I was aware it, there was no strategy to it. And so, you know, doing things like, you know, listening to your podcast. And then I, I also did Kelly and Miranda's business school bootcamp and you know, they walk you through different exercises to help identify your ideal client and how to speak to that client. And so 
I think that the challenge for me was, okay, I, I get this. Like, and I was able to come up with some copy that really spoke to my ideal client. And some of that is there in what you just read. But then what was a little tougher was, okay, again, like this idea of how do I narrow this down to an ideal client, but also broaden it for the purpose of a group practice mm -hmm. serving women. So I really had to search to find words that could strike a chord with, say, you know, the mom with a new baby, but also resonate with someone healing from trauma or with someone, you know, going through a divorce. So I just tried to hone in on what I thought was the common denominator for women and, you know, which is the just feeling out of balance and feeling like you can't find your center and you're trying so hard to get to that center and you just totally overwhelmed by it and stressed out. And so kind of honing in on that and and then sort of giving women looking, reading that, you know, just the suggestion of, you know, what would it be like to find your way back to who you are and making that decision to start that journey in therapy? Yeah, no, um, I mean, you captured it so well, because I can totally see the challenge of trying to both think individually and speaking to one person while doing another. And I think what like one thing you've done really well is you taken a certain situation like and you've just honed in on it right ending a relationship having a baby starting a new career right like mm -hmm. those are just i love i think the intention by which you chose your words yeah and i had help with it <laughs> because that business school boot camp it was a real game changer for me mm. and it just helped give me more focus to what i was doing it made me think about things just yeah in a clearer more focused way and so I'm sure I was like bouncing ideas around with the other members of that boot camp and, you know, getting feedback and, and all of that too. Yeah. Awesome. Shout out to Kelly Miranda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I wanted to shift a little bit to on your counseling services page, right? So you have titles like stressed and overwhelmed, postpartum depression, anxiety, tweens and teens, college students and 20 somethings. How did you decide on these titles? It's kind of random. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the honesty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a little random. I think I just I've been kind of like as I've been adding staff members mm. and working with them on specialty areas and populations. And so like every time I do that, I think I add like a new page that just tries to, you know, tackle that topic area. So it's really, you know, there's no real strategy there. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's just another way in which I'm trying to sort of juggle the idea of specializing and being broad at the same time and, and giving clients, I, I think it just gives another chance for potential clients to connect more with who we are, by being able to go into those different pages and, you know, sort of seeing if that fits with what they're looking for. Yeah, I think one thing, and I, I don't know if you like intentionally did this or not, but like, even though there is like some randomness to it, and yeah, it's very clear, right? Like, which I feel like at the end of the day, if we're talking about like our specialties, it should before we go into any kind of page or anything like that, it should be should tell people exactly who this is for and who this is not for, right? Yeah. Like, tweens and teens, college students and 20-somethings, postpartum depression, anxiety, right? Like, Yeah, those... just tackling each of those, yep. 
And I think, I don't know, for me at least, sometimes I struggle with like, I want to be cute over clear. And sometimes I think (laughs) just being clear is okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally get what you mean by that. Mm hmm. I wanted to wrap up by just asking just one thing about like your contact form on your website. You have things like name and email and phone number and how did you hear about us? But some of those are actually required fields. Like so meaning that, you know, you have to actually type in an answer to keep going. What made you do that? And what was the kind of the process behind that? So, well, having both the name and the email required is really just because we were getting web inquiries from people who would write their email address wrong or they would put in the wrong phone number and then we wouldn't be able to reach them. So it was like, all right, you just have to put both down so we can get you either way. And then the source of referral, like I'm a total spreadsheet geek. Like, so I have this Excel spreadsheet. I've had it since like before I was even in my own practice and I track all this stuff. So I I like that little column that tells me where the referral came from and and I like to have something in that column. <laughs> and you know and so of course it helps knowing where people are hearing about us of course it helps inform some marketing decisions right like I you know it helps me kind of see where you know what I'm doing with my marketing money is it paying off mm. but honestly what's been like even cooler that's been just a surprise has been the amount of word of mouth referrals mm. And so, I mean, people won't always put like who specific, but they might say like, oh, a client of this therapist or a client of that person told me. Mm. And um, so that was sort of this neat surprise that came out of requiring people to fill out that spot was just seeing how much women are just sharing. You know, women talk to women like women, you know, if, if someone sees a therapist that they thinks the bomb, they're sharing it like they're sharing it in Facebook groups and mommy groups. They're sharing it with their friends. So it's just neat to see like the power of just that word of mouth, you know, referral chain. Yeah. It's amazing how also how things that I feel like one lesson I'm learning is sometimes you don't have to have it all figured out. Just kind of put something out there and sometimes you like get these unexpected results, you know, and and part of it's testing and tweaking and all of those things. The surprises are like the cherry on top, you know, (laughs) (laughs) of all the work. And then you get these nice little surprises that you're you're like, oh, wow, like what I'm doing is working in ways I didn't even know, you know. Absolutely. Uh, Michelle, I am so grateful for you. I can't wait till we actually get to hang out in person and um, tell us where we can find more about you and about the practice. Sure. So our website is mindfulsoulwellbeing.com. And we're located in Audubon, New Jersey. So we're right over the bridge from Philly, very close by. Awesome. Michelle, thank you again for doing this. Hey, gang, it's me. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast conversation with Michelle. And I hope that it's given you some new ideas, especially if you have been struggling with the niche. And like me, if you're at a point where you've identified a niche, but in some ways still struggle with analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis, I think that's the right way to say it. I thoroughly enjoyed just conversation with Michelle because one, I just loved her vulnerability and just her ability to to just dream a big dream, but then not just stop it at that dream, but actually take the steps to implement and create this sort of vision and make the vision a reality. I actually wanted to tune you guys into a, a resource that I have found helpful. Um, it's called Bust a Name, B-U-S-T-A-N-E-N-A-M-E. 
com. And uh, Bust a Name is actually this website where they have what's called a, a word combiner. So if you are, for example, trying to figure out uh, the name of a practice and you have some words that you're thinking about, uh, you can actually enter all of those different words into the Bust a Name and it'll tell you, it'll combine the words for you into different sort of sequences. And then it would actually tell you if the .com for that specific domain name is available. You know, the biggest thing I think that stood out to me in my conversation with Michelle is that, you know, even though I think for many of us, there is like this fear of niching down and focusing on a niche. But I think like this idea of if you focus on a population, there are subtle nuances within the population that you can focus on, right? So for example, in, you know, in my own private practices, I think about working with entrepreneurs, I can either niche that down, for example, into specifically working with solopreneurs or folks that are making the transition from solopreneur to CEO like they've had to hire people, or I can even go into more like executives. And so I like the way of that Michelle worded it. And I think for me, it just gave me permission to, to take that risk and to think about some of the things or actually implement the things that I've been thinking about. Show notes to today's session can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 137. And as we wrap up, I just wanted to take a moment again to thank the folks over at Their Nest for supporting today's podcast session. One of the things actually I just wanted to tune you guys into that Their Nest does is I know that many of you guys have been thinking about hiring folks and specifically like hiring folks that are maybe awaiting licensure and that still need supervision. And so with Their Nest, as those folks, as your supervisees write clinical case notes, you actually get, and as they finish them up, you actually get statuses and you get an update when they finished up a note onto your profile. So then it makes it really easy to go and then just do the secondary signature as well on that progress note. So again, you can find more and learn more about Their Nest over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thera Nest. And again, that if you go through that link, that gives you 21 days absolutely free and then a nice little discount of 20% off normal pricing for the first three months. Have a wonderful rest of your day and uh, look forward to connecting with you next time. Take good care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.